Hey, right here on Radio 3, Steve Vines. Good morning to you. Good morning. How's it? I was going to say hanging, but you don't. How's it cooking? <laughs> yes. Yes, thank you for that. So, <laughs> this is a family program. It is. It absolutely is. Yes, yes, um, yes. How's it cooking? Well, if you're um, uh, a member of the Hong Kong National Party, I think oven is on very, very hot at Lots the Lots of moment. apple pies to make there. Apple pies, we're talking souffles made in a jiffy. Um, but seriously speaking... Here we are, two decades in from the formation of the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region, give it its full title, and it, this is it. This is the crackdown. I mean, this is out of the playbook of every single authoritarian regime. They all do it the same way. Let's just give some recent examples. You don't need to go back into history. Look at Turkey, where you've got the Erdogan regime, which um, started out... As they always do, you always pick on a very tiny or marginal, I should say, group. Mm -hmm. So they started out with the persecution of the Tur of the Kurdish political parties, you know, which don't don't have much support throughout the rest of the country, are ethnically different from the Turks. So you know, fantastic target. They move on from the Kurds to um, well to everyone. There's now been a purge of the civil service, there's been a purge of the judiciary, there's been a purge of the police force. The media have, have either been um, taken over or shut down. You've got about 150,000 public servants who've mm. lost their jobs. Um, the leader of the mainstream um, political party. So they always move step by step up until you get to the mainstream opposition is has been on trial and everybody knows the outcome of that trial so you know this is what they do so they're starting in hong kong with this minuscule sort of martyrdom inclined political party the hong kong national party which may consist of as many as two dozen people who knows and then what's really chilling about it is even at this stage the 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 offenses that these people are supposed to have um committed include attempting to stand for election giving out leaflets giving out leaflets though yeah i know it's the thin end of no wedges I um mean, you know uh, yeah and uh, what else oh hey and here's one which should send a chill down you attempting to register themselves as a company now that seems to me it's bang out of order bang out of order but so you've got what are frankly commonplace uh, political and, and mundane activities which are now um, being painted as being very sinister. Yeah. But what's really worrying about this is when asked, well, they keep saying they've crossed the red line. Could you please tell us where the red line is? <laughs> whoa, whoa, no, I don't know. Whoa, yeah, well, yeah, whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'd like to know because you're saying that crossing the line is illegal so why can't you tell us where the line is well we'll know it when we see it but it's red how do you know it's red if you, <laughs> if you haven't seen it um two words yeah. communist party yeah. um no but i think the the i mean the the journalist association has very rightly in my view now asked well where do journalists stand in all of this do do journalists cross a red line by interviewing people who are considered to be on that red line reporting on their activities is this now illegal mm -hmm. no clarification so everything is kept very very ambiguous and why is it kept ambiguous because they'll do what they want to mm -hmm. they're not worried about the law i mean this is you know you you use the law to um to crack down on opposition but anyone who says 
anyone who says, oh my goodness, thank goodness they've acted against these people, they're threatening the national security of the nation, these two dozen people, um, they, they haven't caused violence, yes we do admit they haven't caused, but they could have, yeah, I mean oh. they could have. Um, seen, seen more threatening Monday nights. To I, I've be honest. seen uh, Mrs. Wong in the in the wet market, who's, 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 who could create quite a lot of violence. But anyway, um, as long as everything is kept fluid in that way, you always have the potential of saying, oh, "Right, that one." Or see, look at it. Don't like the look of that one. Oh, <laughs> Death that of one. Stalin again. Van <laughs> yes. <Man> comes round. <laughs> yes. Well, ain't it just? <laughs> So, I mean, let me give you another example from um, Europe, where this is the same process. Um, in Hungary, where you've got the vile Orban, Viktor Orban's government, that's been cracking down on people. So they start with immigrants, and then they they, 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 they launch an anti-Semitic campaign. Very clever of them, because there's hardly any Jews left in, in Hungary, but, hey, that doesn't stop them. So, again, they target the marginal, and then they go for the mainstream. So, by now, you've got Orban cracking down on the media, cracking down on the universities, cracking down on the new laws just been um, enacted on non-governmental organisations because they have the potential to challenge the government. So, you know, there is an authoritarian's playbook, and it's in the hands of the SAR government. They're going... Oh, yeah, look on page 53. It says we move now to this stage. And page 54 says we can move on to somebody else. So I would love to think that this is a one-off isolated incident. But you'd have to be living in some sort of cloud cuckoo land to believe that. And you have to ask yourself, would people here do this kind of thing off their own back? Well, there is that. I, I think there are some people who, who are authoritarian-minded here, but, they, you know, they are, after all, accountable to a regime that knows nothing of, um, of toleration of dissent. And, of course, the, the interesting thing, I mean, the two examples that I've given, Turkey and Hungary, they actually emanate from elected governments, and I do believe they were elected. I mean, so they have that paper-thin fig leaf covering up their private parts, which... Um, need covering in my view um, to to excuse what they're doing. Of course here in Hong Kong there's no legitimacy of that kind I mean there is no elected government here unless you're really seriously going to make the case that the 1,200 people who are elected <coughs> the chief executive somehow constitution election I mean that's, that's for children adults know that didn't happen yeah. so you don't have that legitimacy of, of, of basing it on the fact that you were elected in the first place this is sticky road. Precedent's been set, though. Precedent has been set. The, that, the, that the, is the, that. The, 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 well, and maybe that's well, the well, thinking behind the whole well, thing. Well, you say that, and it's very interesting. I went to a talk at, at the FCC, CY Lung's favourite club yesterday, um, by two... One, uh, one is... He's a deputy, he is the Deputy Defence Minister of Malaysia, and the other one is... is uh, He's a well-known writer in Malaysia from Penang. Right. And they were talking about the end of the UMNO regime, you know, 40 years on after independence, the party that dominated every aspect of political life in Malaysia suddenly, and it was suddenly at the election earlier this year, disappeared, more or less. I mean, it's still there, but, you know, it's like the, 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 the dead body is twitching. Um, so, you know, nothing is forever. And, and the speakers themselves were saying, um, the, both of whom were highly active in the what was called the Reformasi movement before this and, and then in the movement to get rid of 
Prime Minister Najib, who of course is now in, on trial for various offences, both of them were saying they themselves could hardly believe that in the face of this overwhelming power that the ruling Amno party had, that they could challenge and defeat it. You know, they, they, a lot of things happened. There was a, a convergence of things that happened that made it possible. But to dare to believe that the existing order that was so strong could be overtaken was did they explain, something. Did they explain in any way, like a couple of key things maybe, that enabled them? Well, I think one of the key things that they said was that they said, look, you had the, the former strongman of, of Malaysian politics, Mahathir Mohamed, mm. who'd fallen out with his own party, AMNO, um, who was greatly distrusted by the rest of the opposition. But at the end of the day, they swallowed their distaste for him. They swallowed their disbelief in him as a born-again Democrat and said, look, you know, if we seriously want to get rid of AMNO, we'll have to do a deal. And they did a deal. So, I mean, one of the things that, that depresses me about embattled opposition movements is they often spend far too much time battling each other rather yeah. than combining and saying, Why you know, what is the big goal? The big goal is not to see, you know, um, who, who, is more who is more pure than pure. The big goal is to find a way of dislodging the enemy. Why do you think that very often the so-called bad guys are so organised? I mean, really good. Because they have the levers of political power. Yeah. I mean, if you have the state under your control, it is a lot easier mm. than if you're sitting in a little dusty room at the back of uh, a shop in Mong Kok trying to, 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 you know, plot the future. But, you know, it's those dusty rooms in many, many places where enormous change has, has been made. And, and you look at those people, and often they don't look credible at all. You think, oh, my God. I mean, in Hong Kong's case, you actually have a very widespread um, uh, democracy movement. I mean, extraordinarily widespread, considering that this is a place without elections, which is under the rule, ultimately, of a one-party state. I mean, it's mm. remarkable what you have in Hong Kong. But, you know, boy, does Hong Kong's... Um, uh, democracy or opposition group, whatever you want to call it, have a capacity to fall out amongst itself. It does, it's quite see. impressive. I mean, it's just the way the cookies crumble. Yeah. It's, you got such a shame. So at the end of the day... You could be so good. At the end of the day, I mean, there are moments when it combines and it's very formidable. I mean, it was certainly the case when, when the opposition combined to defeat the Article 23 legislation. Mm. And it was the case, to be fair, to all parties concerned when um, the traditional opposition acknowledged that a new force had emerged in Hong Kong which created the Umbrella Revolution, uh, or the Umbrella Movement, I should say, it wasn't a revolution, the Umbrella Movement, and they, they said, OK, you've created this movement, you stand at the front ranks and we're prepared to stand there, but we'll be in a subsidiary role. Mm. That, that was an impressive moment because it's very hard for people who've been involved in a movement for in some cases decades to recognize that they have to take the rear seats rather than the front seats there's always this sense of entitlement you know sunny before you 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 know before you were in shorts i was struggling for democracy in hong kong so you wait in line yeah it was very good and i give people credit for that for recognizing at that time that there was no way they should have been out front of that and also they didn't of course criticize them you know it was it was impressive did it did it 
create change overnight? No, of course it didn't. That's well, not how. I mean, uh, yeah, that's not how things work. It really isn't how things work. I mean, even the 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 movement that um, toppled Amno in Malaysia. I mean, it, it was born, and the the speakers at this um, meeting reminded us all of that. It was essentially born of 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 a struggle that's been going on over three decades. It, 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 it ebbed and flowed. I mean, during the Reformasi movement, it yeah. certainly flowed. But then it ebbed and then it flowed again. I mean, hey, that's what happens. Good morning to Alan. He sends us an email. He says, so as for who's next after the NP, he says, one suspect minority is white people. They've made a start on denigrating white judges and the FCC. I'm wondering how long the Falun Gong has or any Muslims who support Xinjiang from Alan. Oh, take your pick. I mean, I, my, my own view is that it's far more likely to be targeting more overtly political groups rather yeah. than uh, racially um, selecting people. But, hey, we're, we're in very, very choppy waters. Who knows who's going to drown? And that is called waiting for a train. <laughs> and indeed. What? what? And indeed, waiting for a train is... Um, or rather, maybe not waiting for a train... Filling up a train seems to be the problem for this new express service. Now, are we being a bit unfair here? We are. We are. We're, we're, we're passing okay. judgment. We're passing judgment. and Because you can't that, expect it to be heaving every That day. never happens in this studio. Never. Never. No. But here's the thing. So, so the MTR, do you remember them? They're the people who brought you um, uncompleted projects and leaks. Um, the MTR said, oh, well, you know, we have no problem. We're going to fill fill this train up with 80,000 people per day. Cause Coming it's gonna be, the other way, well, maybe. No, to be fair, they said that was the total, you know, total traffic would be 80,000 per day. Okay. Well, the interesting thing is that even on day one, when there was a complete swarm of people, they didn't manage to get 80,000. I mean, you know, Hong Kong has loved to try something new. So, of course, day one. But Fun that, fair that, ride, isn't it's, it? It's a bit like that. So, day one, they had 75. But since then, it, they've been not even near the halfway mark of their target. Hmm. You know, so, you know, it's now being said that if you want to get up to Guangzhou and, and sleep fully stretched out in a carriage, this would be the way to go. Because they have empty carriages zipping up and down at, at, at high speed, except for not at the high speed that they say it's going to be because mm. the train stops, etc., etc. But, I mean, the thing is this. This project, the, the, the new Bridge to Nowhere, which is about maybe to open next month, or it's only two years late, so we shouldn't be critical of that either. I mean, they were never transportation projects. They were always political projects. But they maintain the legend that they somehow meet a transportation need. Yeah. So you're quite right. I mean, seriously speaking, you can't judge the success or failure of the project in its first week. But remember, they set the benchmark. They said as soon as it opens, it will be flooded with people gagging to try the new service. So, you know, if you say this, you've got to actually find all these people who are gagging to use this new service. So tell me this, Steve. Anybody who's essentially a foreigner but lives here... I couldn't go without getting a visa, could I? No. Which, no, can, I do, can I do it on the, and add, no, and no, add no, an extra thousand dollars? It's exactly the same thing as... Because as, as, that's uh, not really uh, been um, mentioned, but... It, entering into the mainland. I mean, it's just they've moved the border, which, as so we you know, is pretty controversial. whatever it is these well, days for a China is, visa. You, if still you, need, if you, you still need the visa. Well, that's quite expensive. Yeah, it's it? quite well. But to be fair, it always was. It's yeah, just yeah. you used to do 
entry but into... But can I do that? In, you used to do entry into the mainland in, guess where? The mainland. No, now could, you're doing could, it in Kowloon. Could I, if I, if I desperately <coughs> wanted to go, could I pop down to the station, buy a visa, have know. it there and then, and get on the choo-choo? Don't know. You used to be able to do that in... in I just wondered. In, you used to be able to do that in, in Lo Wu. I don't know. I, I don't know whether you can even do that. I think you can, actually. I don't know, is okay. the simple answer. Because that stands to reason, if they've got the bloke, you know, the big hoo-ha They have about got lots <laughs> of people there, and they're not that busy, <laughs> despite all this cha-cha-cha about how it's going to be, you know, chock-a-block with people um, yeah. excited beyond belief in a fervour of excitement. So now, so now, anyway, it's there, it's, it's operating, it hasn't got even vaguely the number of people that we were told it was definitely going to get. Um, the new bridge to nowhere will uh, have it. Apparently, I read this in the newspaper, so again, it must be true. There's going to be opened by a VVIP. Really? Can you imagine how important that person is? And that person is going to be in a vehicle driving across the bridge. I mean, you know, my excitement knows no bounds. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm salivating at the thought of that. Yeah, I so hope they don't break down. Because, I mean, really, <laughs> this bridge is not massive, is it? The bridge is... I think, you know, they, they'll probably find a, a red flag saloon that can uh, take them across in, in good order, or failing that, a Mercedes. Mm. Uh, other brands are available, I may say. So there's that and that. There's, there's that and that. There's that not working. And then we've got, if, if I may just swiftly move on. Go on. We, we've got, t today marks the, well, yesterday actually, marked the end of the um, so-called public consultation on land supply. Oh, yeah. Um, this is the one where Carrie Lamb says, I've really been anxious to have a public consultation. We really want to get the public involved and I want them to support my decision. I've already taken the decision. It's to make big land reclamation. and But it's nice. I like having a consultation because then everyone can get involved. And if they have views which are different to mine, well, they're obviously wrong. So, you know. What we now know, and it, it hasn't been a waste of time, this, even though I very much doubt the government will pay the slightest bit of attention to it, it has actually been a good opportunity to look at this. Mm -hmm. Now, you have, for example, Designing Hong Kong had a press conference yesterday in which they made the rather obvious point, which I thought we kind of knew, but maybe it hasn't been made enough, that land supply isn't the problem in Hong Kong. It's land use and planning that's the problem. Hong Kong actually does have enough land to provide i mean the what's what's the land supply issue about it's providing homes does hong kong or doesn't hong kong have enough land to provide the number of homes that we need apparently the answer is yes the other thing in the 18 options that were discussed mm -hmm. for possibilities of new sources or, or additional sources of land supply what was excluded from that was the most obvious i would have thought which is the use of military lands yeah, I heard about this. This is this is. But the interesting, interesting. thing about this, <laughs> yeah. and um, um, just give a little plug for the program that I do on the TV side of RTHK, we had James Teen, who's been studying the Garrison Law, and he said, "Well, it's amazing that people haven't looked at the Garrison Law more carefully because it actually provides for precisely, precisely this possibility. If Hong Kong thinks that it needs to utilise." some of that land, and we know that the PLA barely uses the bulk of the land that has been allocated to them and inherited from the ghastly Brits who used to, to have a garrison there. Um, there is a provision in the, in the garrison agreement, and incidentally, the garrison law, 
isn't like the basic law. It wasn't drafted jointly by Hong Kong and mainland drafters. It was entirely drafted in Beijing by members of the um, ever-wonderful National People's Congress. Under the garrison law, there is a clear provision for the Hong Kong government to approach the the, uh, mainland authorities and say, you know, could we have some of this land back? And the garrison law says... We're not, of course, going to charge for that. We we might ask for compensation for moving huts and moving a firing range or two, but no, no, this is part of the deal. Mm. We're occupying a lot of land, but if it's really needed, then um, we'll hand it back. So here's the thing. It wasn't even included in the 18 options that were considered under this consultation exercise, the one which is designed to say that reclamation is the only answer. It wasn't even considered. Um, Stanley Wong, who's in charge of that operation, when asked why wasn't it considered, he went, oh, oh, this is a bit controversial. Well, (laughs) do you know what? Mm. Property, land, these are very controversial issues in Hong Kong anyway. Well, know something about these military military establishments in Hong Kong. There's a couple of very rather powerful FM radio channels that have been playing nothing but John Cage for the past 20 years. <laughs> Is that right? Uh, where do you think the BFBS ones went? They were never released. And you know this hoo-ha about Radio you 3? You mean the BFBS transmitters channels. are still... The, 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 the channels are... Uh, the were allocated uh, to own, them. Ownability of these channels is still there. And they were really pearly. There was a big mm. sound BFBS had. It was up there in the 90s, I mean, on the, on the wavelength thing. Yeah. But you know all the stuff about Radio 3 not being heard here, there and everywhere because of FM? No, these are the real deal. They've, just been, they've just been back-to-back... And they're playing silent John, movie, movie. John Cage. Are they? <laughs> that's, right. oh, that's interesting. And I'll tell you what: a lot of a lot of um, enterprising people over the years have tried to get them to start up their own little channel. No, no, of course not. <laughs> no dice. Of course not. No <laughs> dice. No, no, no. We we can bore for Hong Kong all on our own. But anyway, yeah, that's just so one anyway, of the So anyway, so so here here we are. We're we're um, at the end of the process. Um, we know what the outcome will be because Carrie Lam has said she's not really interested in what people say. She's made up her mind. And all the usual goons have come out and go, oh, I agree with Carrie. Well, and reclamation. Um, maybe on the Belt and Road, for all I know, mm. which we haven't mentioned on the programme so far, in the Greater Bay Area. So could I just mention that in case the listener feels short-changed by not having heard those two magic words. Let's join hands. Let's join hands for the Greater Bay Area. Act now. Act now. I'll tell you what, though. I was talking briefly about this with Marion Pierce yesterday. The East Landau Metropolis. Yes, the great big mega reclamation. And what, and what did the typhoon do to the shoreline around Landau? Um, it, quite a lot. <laughs> quite a lot. I, I imagine so. I mean, but, you know, that thing is typical of the way. And don't get me started, but of no, course no. you will. It's typical of the way bureaucrats think. They always, they always say, "Let's have one really big project." I don't know Incidentally, where that comes from. That would be my legacy project. Where does that come from? It that notion from, of corralling things. I know. It, well, it's because they all want legacy projects. Yeah, but um, it's all it's all complete. An it's Horlicks one hundred and one for that. But you know, the idea that that everything has to be in one place is is just there's got to be. Well, in 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 some ways, bureaucrats like it because of course they want legacy projects but they also like it because in a way it's easier i mean this is vastly expensive well plainly it's not well no easier in the sense politically easier because if you have to tackle the you know the hungy cook and get the brownfield sites back if you have to go around seriously looking at availability of of hundreds literally hundreds of plots of lands all over the place. You know, mm. those clipboards are going to be flying all over the place. They're going to have to work more than three hours a day. 